I'd like to invite you to um, uh, join me in a word of prayer before we hear the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for your word. May it itself be a seed in our hearts, no matter the condition of the soil in us. Um, may this seed grow and bear fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were many lying in the valley. They were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded and as I prophesied suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked and there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy mortal and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them. And they lived and stood on their feet a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, we are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. You shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. We've been looking at the Apostles' Creed, and that's where we're at this morning, those three lines. Holy Spirit, Church, communion of saints. Holy Spirit is third person of the Trinity, and um, third person of the Trinity only gets one line. Jesus got tons of stuff. Spirit gets one line. Well, typical of God the Spirit, uh, we've already met the Spirit. We met the Spirit when Steve spoke about God the Father and talked about creation, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep, hovering over chaos, hovering over all that was formless and void. And then we met the Spirit again with the virgin birth, 
conceived of the Holy Spirit. Here was a womb where it was impossible to give birth. And the Spirit hovered over it, and then Jesus was born. So we've heard a lot about the Spirit. And just like the Spirit, we don't know where the Spirit comes from. We don't know where the Spirit's going. But we learn about the Spirit, and then we can finally say, that is the Spirit. Um, Miles has a player in his soccer team that's like the Holy Spirit. His name's Oscar. And they always, they, they always never know where Oscar is until it's needed. And Oscar comes out of nowhere, boots the ball down the field. Oscar is just like the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so that's what the Spirit does. We don't know where it comes from. I mean, we know where it comes from, but... Um, Mainly what we know is what the Spirit does, and it hovers over formlessness, chaos, barrenness, over impossibility. That's what the Spirit does. So what's the Spirit doing now? That's our question. What's the Spirit doing now? And our scripture is about this valley of dry bones. This is a valley full of dry bones. It's a horrifying thought. It's full of dry bones, and they're all, they're all, they've been long dead. This is a vast multitude of people who once lived and are now long dead, slain, some battle. And God asks the question, can these bones live? And the answer the prophet gives is not a yes. It's also not a no. It's, oh Lord God, you know. And so what happens next? The prophet prophesies to the bones, and then there's this rattling. You know, you can just imagine the sound of bones upon bones. Uh, Rico plays an instrument that's basically two bones. So um, if you ever really want to know how this sounds, just listen to his music, which I think he'll be playing later today at the festival. Bone upon bone, and then flesh upon flesh, and then he prophesies to the wind, the spirit, and that brings life into this multitude. One version says it's an army. An army comes to life. A people who were without hope, who were totally cut off. And then a word comes to them. And the word says, watch the graves. Watch the graves. Because I'm going to make dead people come out of the graves. And then you'll know. You'll know who I am. So, okay, so back to our question, what is the Spirit doing now? We believe in the Holy Spirit, which means not, not a, a, you know, we believe some fantasy or some, some idea about God or, or some line in a doctrine. It means we trust in the Holy Spirit. We're trusting in the Holy Spirit to bring life out of death, out of impossibility. So what is the Spirit doing now? The Spirit is hovering over humanity, hovering over the creation, hovering over us. What's humanity like? Are we a valley of dry bones? It's easy for the preacher to go down this road. I mean, this is like a, this is like a, um, this is a cable news trick, right? Everything's terrible. Everything's awful. There's death everywhere. Be afraid. You know, that's what preachers do. That's what news does. And that gets us motivated to hate somebody. I'm not going to do that. I don't think, I, actually, if we're honest about our lives, I don't think we have lives of dry bones. I know we have broken dreams. I know that things have not gone perfectly, but man, I was at a soccer game yesterday for my kid and I loved it. It was amazing. And I know there's bad things, but you know, the reason we're, we think the things are so bad is because there are things that are so good. 
We have people we love. We have a place to be. We have time to be here on Sunday. We have breath in our lungs. Man, things are good. They're not perfect. Even go, like, let's go to a place like Haiti that's just in a free form. There's still community. There's still love. A place like Ukraine, in the midst of war, they're having meals together. They're caring for one another. Refugees are being supported. Humanity isn't nothing but dry bones. But I think what the prophecy is telling us is that what, not, not, not that everything is horrible now, but that if we look to the future, we're afraid it'll all end. And that the valley of the dry bones is a picture of where it all goes. That it's all fleeting. That it's not going to last. That the things that are so good and tender, that are precious, and that, that we cling to just will one day not be able to be with us forever. Or we won't be able to be with them forever. That's the valley of the dry bones. It's a picture that we ter- we're terrified of the future. What will the future be like? What will the future be like for our loved ones, for our kids, or even for us? Um, most of poetry is about this, by the way. <laughs> most of poetry. Gerard Manley Hopkins has a poem about fall, and he's, he's looking at a young girl, and, and this young girl's crying because everything's dying in fall, and and he says, you're not, you're not crying about golden leaves unleaving, the, fall, the leaves falling. You're, you're sad about your mortality, that one day you will die. James Baxter, my favorite poet, has a, has a poem about his wife. And he's just terrified about his wife dying. And he says, he says, the one thought that breaks this cold granite heart of mine is that those long, lovely limbs will one day slacken and rot. It's almost like he can't bear the present because of what will happen in the future. In Israel's case, it wasn't just that everything was fleeting. It wasn't just that everything was temporary. It was that they had mucked some of it up. They had had accelerated the valley of bones. They had made some major, major mistakes. So it's not that everything now is misery. It's that it... We, we're, we fear that it won't last. We fear that we're going to muck it up. We fear that it's hopeless. So, Spirit hovers over a hopeless humanity. And the Spirit asks, can these bones live? And the answer to that question is what we call the church. The church makes no sense on its own by itself in this world of ours. The church is an impossible community. Sometimes we try to make sense in other ways. And there's a lot of ways the church tries to make sense of itself or the world. We try to act like we're sort of helpful in the community. You know, that that the community sort of needs us for some reason. That we're do-gooders, you know, or something like that. Or we try to gain some sort of political influence so we can be a sort of lever in the, in the politics of the world to steer everything in the right direction. And the, these, are, these are just ways of us trying to establish relevance when, when in reality that's not what we're about as a church. The creed says the church is holy and Catholic. 
And I want to explain those two words because they are definitely distracting and they can veer us off course. Let's start with holy. The church is holy, not in the sense that we have halos around our heads or feet that don't quite touch the ground, but just in this way. When God asks, can these bones live? We have the faith to say, oh Lord God, you know. We have the faith not to answer yes. We're not, you know, we don't know everything. The church is humble. The church is not confident in absolutely everything that's going to happen. The church doesn't know what's going to happen. The church doesn't even know what's right always for the whole world. But we're also not going to say no to that question. We're also not going to say, no, these bones can't live. We're not going to fall into cynicism. We're not going to fall into despair and hopelessness. And what we're going to do instead is we're going to have faith. And we're going to say, oh, Lord God, you know. That's what constitutes the church, the ability to have faith in the answer to that question. But let's think about that question for a second. Let's take that question seriously. Can these bones live? Can they? Can dry bones? I was at a funeral recently, and I remember we all walked away from the grave. We put the person in the ground, we drop them, we put the soil over, over the person, and then we all walked away. And what are we saying now? Are we saying these bones can live? I remember eating sandwiches in the clubhouse afterwards. We all thought that life was fleeting and momentary. We all thought we're just going to enjoy it while it lasts. Can these bones live? Maybe we should just reconcile ourselves to death. Maybe we should just see it as part of life. Maybe we should be death positive or something like that. So few moments of real joy. Let's live in nostalgia. Let's just remember the good times and work out our days that way. But that's not the question. The question is, can these bones live now? The church is nothing other than the people who are made by the word of God to say that these bones will live. To have this alone as our life is what it means for the church to be holy. Nothing else brings us together. Now let's talk about that bringing together. Because it says in the scripture that once the word comes to them and once the word, they, they hear it, there's that rattling, that sound of bone upon bone. I was talking about you, Rico, and how you have an instrument where you play bones. Yeah, the bones. Yeah, yeah, you play bones. That's so weird, but cool. And, uh, and that's the sound we would have heard, or that Ezekiel would have heard when, when the bones were coming together. Careful weaving, then, of sinew and tendon, nerve and vein, and then a sculpting of flesh. What happens is, is this word from God comes to form a new humanity. Just as it came and formed dry land from the deep and formed a person in a barren womb. What's this word for these things coming together, for these things being woven together? The word that the creed uses is Catholic. We think of Catholic only in one way. We think of Roman Catholic, but it doesn't mean that. The word Catholic has a separate meaning. And, and no offense to the Roman Catholics, 
fine, they're doing their thing, um, go get them. But we're not talking about that. We're not talking about Roman Catholicism. We're talking about a different word. And the word means universal, but also tangible, enfleshed. It means it's for everybody, but it means you can touch it. And it's real, just like a body. It means a lot of things, and I'm going to go through. I'm going to go through these quickly, but their implications are beyond telling. One of the things it means is that all the old divisions die. When you get into the church, you take a holy bath, and the holy bath washes away all the old divisions, all of it, ethnic, national, religious, whatever divides us is just tossed away. It could be something economic that divides us. It could be an ethnic divide, like I said. It could, it could be that we don't live in the same country. Whatever it is, all that washes away. Everyone hears the word. It's not limited to just one language. It wasn't limited to Greek. It wasn't limited to Hebrew. Jesus spoke, spoke Aramaic. It quickly went to um, other countries. And now it's here, and I'm using a foreign language to talk about the gospel very comfortably. And it'll keep doing that forever. It's not limited in any way speaks to all the human predicament. Every part of our lives, work, leisure, mind, body, everything you can think of, the good news of God speaks to. And it's beyond time. It includes even the dead. We hear the word, the bones rattle, and we're joined together. Impossibly, we are joined with believers who we've never met. We have brothers and sisters in Berlin and Nairobi. These people are joined closer to us than our blood. Water is thicker than blood in the church. The water of baptism is thicker than blood. This is a whole new humanity. We are joined with people in dire circumstances. We are joined with people all over Fort Collins. And the thing that joins us most is not politics. It's not economics. It's not that we agree on certain issues. It's not class. It's not anything else other than we are constituted by this word of God that comes to us. And it says, can these bones live? And we say, oh, Lord God, you know. That's what brings us together and makes us and joins us and makes us Catholic, small C Catholic. And what is made? It's not a bunch of individuals. What is made is, is a multitude, it says. In another translation, it actually calls it an army. And I kind of like that because there's lots of different kinds of armies. One army is a kind that kills, obviously. Another army is a kind that defends. We're an army that we do fight, but we fight by our very existence, the powers of death. We fight by gathering to hear the surprising word to form an impossible community that confronts all death and forces in our world. There's a lot of things trying to tear us apart. And that has to be fought. That has to be resisted. And that stuff is in us even. And we need to fight it. And we will only fight it by hearing the word of the Lord and replying, oh Lord God, you know. The church is not a community of ideas. The church is not a place you gather because it's an important institution. It's not on par with the Elks Club or the Knitting Club or the Pilates Group or whatever. Our existence is not justified because we do good or because we have our important voting block. We're dry bones that God has spoken to. We gather around the things that are holy 
not what's expedient. We come together to work slow, not rushed. We're committed to what's universal and not divisive. What heals and repairs and joins and not what erodes or corrodes or discards. Can these bones live? It's a question that we don't even dare ask, but God asks it of us. The Spirit is hovering over humanity as I speak, as we sit here, and it's calling for an answer from you. Can these bones live? What will be your answer? If we dare to answer, let us answer in humility by saying, Oh Lord God, you know. And when we do, we will be formed into something amazing. We will be formed into an army of hope. A people who watch the graves for signs of life. A communion of the impossible, though we've considered all the facts. And so I'd like to invite us to do just this. I'm going to ask, and I'd like you to answer. I'm going to ask if these bones can live, and I'd like you to answer, Oh Lord God, you know. I'm going to ask you three times. Can these bones live? Oh Lord God, you know. Can these bones live? Oh Lord God, you know. Can these bones live? Then hear the word of the Lord. You shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you for we thank you for this word. It comes to us from nowhere. We didn't ask for it. But it comes to us and Lord help us to answer you with our whole lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. May the peace of Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. And may he bring you home rejoicing once again into these doors. Amen. Go in peace.